This is episode 102 of the Landscape Photography Show, and before we get into the show, I want to thank patron for the podcast, Brandon Hurt. Brandon has signed up for Patreon for the podcast, and and because Brandon has signed up, he gets access to exclusive audio content from every single episode of the podcast. Not only that, certain tiers get access to things like quarterly ebooks for inspiration, and also every single tier gets periodical webinars that they can tune into for photography inspiration, ideas, education, and just coming together as a community as a whole. So if you're interested in signing up for Patreon, getting access to all those benefits, exclusive audio from each podcast with our guests, and supporting the podcast on a week-to-week basis so we can continue to produce episodes on a weekly basis. Patreon isn't billed weekly, you're billed monthly, and we have tiers of $5, $10, and $20, so sign up for a tier that fits your budget and a benefits package that fits your interests as well. Let's get to today's episode. So if you remember last week, we had a panel discussion from the Outsiders Conference. And before we go any further into this description, I want to say if you've never signed up for an Outsiders Conference in the past before, be sure to do that because they are really good. It's it's like a big photography convention full of ideas and inspiration. I came away from it just really ready to hit the ground running with all these new ideas that I had of just from talking to other photographers or listening to their presentations. I thought it was a really, really good conference to attend. So be sure and look into that. It's the Outsiders Conferences. So we had a panel discussion last week talking about like creativity and artistic vision. This week, I want to share with you the other panel discussion that we had during the Outsiders Conference, and it was on conservation with your photography. And I thought it was a really impactful discussion. You know, last week, that discussion, that panel was great for inspiration for your photography and trying to figure out why you do things the way you do. This has so much emotional tie to it, this episode this week, because it is so focused on conservation. It's so focused on trying to create imagery that promotes conservation in our work. Now, during this discussion, I was delighted to be joined on stage by Phil Monson, Sapna Reddy, and Eric Bennett, who shared a lot of their ideas a lot of their frustrations, and also a lot of their passions moving forward in conservation through their photography. Now, all of them have also been on the podcast already, so if you're interested in anything that they had to say and you're unfamiliar with them or you haven't heard those episodes before, feel free to go back in the archives of the Landscape Photography Show and find their podcast as well. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So as landscape photographers, uh, nature is kind of our most valued resource. But what can we as landscape photographers do to protect it? Here today is uh, David Johnston from the Landscape Photography Show podcast, and uh, hopefully 
that'll be able to answer that for us. I hope so. At least shine some light on it. And I know everybody who's talked so far appreciates nature. We all love the places that we go out to shoot when we do go out, and we want to do what we can to preserve those uh, and make them better for future generations down the road. Um, I'm happy to be joined on stage by Simon Reddy, uh, Eric Bennett, and Bill Monson. So humbled and honored, of course, to be joined by them. Uh, why don't we start off just by talking about, and, and I do want to get to the positives predominantly throughout this, but right now, what are you seeing in nature that's kind of overwhelming to you uh, about some of the things going on? Um, I like how they, you put me on the spot. Here. <laughs> um, I think we're all at this point faced with a moral dilemma. I certainly am. I love to photograph nature, but as I showcase my photographs and try to connect with the audience, I am actually bringing popularity to the places that need to be protected. On one hand, we could say that we are showcasing these places so that people develop a deeper love for nature and that they find it a healing process. But on the other hand, what we are doing is basically transforming these places that inspire us to pretty much amusement parks. As we share more and more on social media, and as connectivity grows, gone are the days when people would just appreciate art and let it be. Now we have people jumping into the fray, asking you where that place is. If it's an isolated waterfall somewhere, they want to get to it. Um, they want their own picture of it. So we have gone from a culture of nature lovers to a culture of trophy hunters. And that is a terrible thing for all of us to experience, isn't it? And so it leaves me wondering, am I doing the right thing by photographing these places and showcasing them for everyone? For example, um, I can tell you about the bayou, the cypress swamps, which lie between East Texas and Louisiana. When David Chauvin photographed those years ago, those pictures were heavily appreciated all across the world. But the landscape didn't change because people saw the art and let it be. But now, there are, just this year alone, there are a dozen tours running in just two weeks in November through the same area. You can imagine the impact that would have on that delicate ecosystem. So what we have done is inculcated the sense of wanting to get that shot so badly that we have begun to hurt the very environments that inspire us. I hope that today's discussion will address that and give us some sort of solace as we move forward on this journey of documenting these incredible places. Yeah, that's a really important point. I mean, that's super valid, and I think it's a concern that all of us photographers have had, especially professional photographers that lead workshops as well for our livelihood. And um, even if we have good intentions, sometimes we see negative effects of that. So, have you heard of Nature First before? Yeah, so maybe not everybody in the audience has heard of it. Um, since we were all kind of troubled by this, uh, 
same realization that Sapna just shared. We, well, about a dozen photographers, including myself, we came up with the seven principles of nature first, which is basically a leave no trace um, set of sort of guidelines for photographers. So it's more specific to photography. And we address all those concerns about sharing locations because inevitably they become popular and are damaged by the increased foot traffic. We addressed, um, I mean, the first principle is the most important to prioritize the well-being of nature over your photography. So you taking a photograph of a place isn't more important than the well-being of the place. So you should never damage it or trample something that will be destroyed or cause other people to come and do the same thing because they see your, your foot tracks. Um, because nature is much more important than any kind of photograph you can make of it. And if you love nature, then that's something that should make sense. Well said, both of you. Pull over here too. Um, I have a lot to say on these things. So this is this is uh, a, a subject that is near and dear to my heart, and I think one of the most important things that we can be discussing is as nature photographers, as outdoor photographers, people who love the the great outdoors. Make great outdoors great again. Um, to your question, what am I seeing? I am seeing an increase in selfishness and self-absorption. We have forgotten how to consider others and consider the natural world and how to live in balance with it, I feel. Um, what that has resulted in is increased litter in places that have never had litter before. We see vandalism in places that have never had vandalism before. Uh, we see an increase in uh, people being unprepared for an outdoor experience. And yeah, being prepared does play into being responsible, being um, you know, thoughtful of the outdoors as well as being thoughtful of others. When you're not prepared and you put yourself in a position to need to be rescued, and that's not to say that Nothing bad can happen, accidents do happen, but then you're causing much more of an impact to the search and rescue team and to the park services and draining uh, things from there. So when it, when it comes to your question of, of the negatives, that's the big thing. It's, it's selfishness, it's uh, self-absorption. We are there to, and I just say we, use a lot of words, but uh, we, we live in this world where everything is about the self, it's the selfie, it's the dopamine hit that we get when we get likes and we see, oh, me taking this picture here and you know, that's what gets the likes or, or this or this or that. And so it's just a real challenge and that's what I really try to focus on in my conservation approach is think about others than yourself. Think about the well-being of nature over yourself and especially over photography, but nature first, photography is second, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. Well, let me, let me ask you this though, Phil, and we'll throw it to you first, and yeah. work back down through anybody else who has the same uh, or similar answers. Just yesterday, when we started the conference, uh, you clearly got emotional on stage talking about your 
appreciation for nature and why it's so important to you. So, so why is that emotion so high for you? Well, I'm, I'm a crier. <laughs> <laughs> Just in general, big softy. Um, and maybe I'll cry better right now. That's why I asked. Thank you. How was the conference? Guy was sobbing on stage. Um, nature has always been a privilege and an opportunity to disconnect from the day to day as a sanctuary. Uh, I remember growing up in, in Idaho and in Oregon, and the forest was just there. I just go. I could just enjoy it. Explore and leave no trace principles, and, and all those things were always very deeply instilled in me. I remember one of the greatest lessons to me was on the you know, we were going to uh, Mount Hood Wilderness on a camping trip, and we came across this camp that had been littered. You know, this is a long time ago, I'm old now. Um, but even then, there were still some issues, not as bad as it is now. But my scoutmaster, he stopped. He said, Boys, we have to leave this better than we found it. And how impactful that was to me. Now, you know, as a 12 year old kid, I was probably like, This is bullshit. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired and I just want to get to camp, but that what an experience that was for me and how that had such a lasting impression and those lessons that I learned as a, as a child to take care of the natural world, to leave it better. And that was, you know, it was, it was, it was also, it was, you know, we're leaving nature better, but we're also leaving it better for the next people that come. We're, we're thinking about the experience of others. And so all those experiences, and you know, I look at my, uh, I look at my kids, and what will I be for them? Will they have the same experiences? Will they be able to enjoy these things? And we talk a lot about, you know, the, the, the debate these days is should I geotag, should I not geotag? And, I, and I've always said, look, nature is for everybody. It's it is proven that. Nature is therapeutic and it helps us mentally, physically, spiritually. I want everybody to, to feel that. Uh, and so the geotech debate is very hotly contested on, on both sides and I, and I understand both sides. Um, but I also tend to think about how are we representing those places? And how do we how are we promoting those places in, in a responsible manner? And so I look at uh, the, the places that I have seen and I have seen change. And so when we talk about you know the, that's the argument that you know is, is geo geotagging gatekeeping, and I understand the the thought and, and reasoning behind that. But then I look at well, what about the places that are now closed? What about the places that we won't be able to experience anymore? That's shut off for everybody. And that is a very real thing that is happening right now. Look at False Kiva, an incredible archaeological and natural place that I can't take my kids to. 
That should concern everybody. So the reality is we are losing nature, not only to a lot of selfish people right now, there's a lot of governmental issues taking place, and as nature photographers, we should all be actively engaged in taking care of these places. There's no excuse for it. If we are out taking photos and enjoying these places, we have the added duty and responsibility to leave these better places better than we found them, to educate others, use our experience, and promote and influence, as I say, influencer, for the good. And uh, so there you go. So you got me to cry. Good job. <laughs> it wasn't my goal. Uh, Eric, so you guys want, who wants to follow that up? <laughs> well, like you said, Phil, like it's a tragedy that a lot of these places, like False Cuba, as you said, because people don't know how to have a reverence, reverence for them and respect them, they have to get closed off to everybody. But on the other hand, that's the best thing they could have done, right? They, it was, they had to do it because it's like when you give a child a toy and they don't appreciate it and take care of it, you gotta take it away. But I think the tragedy is that we had to have it taken away from us. Like we couldn't see the value enough to show up respect as we would our own houses or a friend's house or, you know, a cathedral or something like that. When it's something so sacred and so irreplaceable, why can't people see the inherent value that it has being left intact? But for me, the best thing I've gotten out of nature photography has been being able to build a relationship with nature. And I've noticed that every time I go on a trip and I go into nature, I never come back out worse than I was when I went in. And so I really appreciate the healing effects that nature has on us, the calming effects, the space, the stillness, the silence that you can still enjoy in these places, which is non-existent in modern life. It, you can't find it near your house. You have to go into these places that are still wild and still left untouched by man. And I'm so grateful for those places because my life would be miserable without them. And the troubling part is that as every day goes by, not only do human beings become more separated from nature with the direction that everything is going in, but there are less places where human beings can go and reconnect with nature once again. So that is my main motivation with photography to have these places protected so that human beings can at least have these places to return to and regain equanimity and become balanced once again and relieve stress. Just there's so many things that uh, we're now understanding more about nature, about the healing effects that it has on us, not just mentally or emotionally, but physically as well. We are worse off for becoming so distant, separate from nature. It hasn't made us any happier or better for it. So I, um, yeah, I guess that's just uh, 
kind of forget what your question was, but it's just why why is it so meaningfully and emotionally connected to you? Yeah, that's that right. you basically. <laughs> I'm going to make Bill feel better. <laughs> you know, when, um, when we feel bad that we have to apply for a lottery or we have to apply for a permit to get into a park and it upsets us and annoys us and we think, hey, I pay my taxes, these are public lands, I should have access to it, I would suggest we kind of go through a mind shift. Instead of thinking like that, let's think of it as your attempt at making that place more viable for future generations. We are, after all, such a tiny part of this cosmos. Are our desires so important that we would put an entire place at risk? I don't think any of us would want that, right? So if you look at it from that perspective, then we wouldn't get annoyed if all schema closes or the regular national forest closes. We should take joy in the fact that these places will no longer see the negative impact of humans going through those places, which means all the other animals that we share this planet with will get to enjoy them. We are, after all, a small part of this world. I think that's a positive way to look at it. So um, during the pandemic, as you know, um, Yosemite, uh, which is my place of Zen, my favorite park in the country, was closed. And initially, I was a little bit annoyed. I was like, what the heck? I can't go to Yosemite. And so then I had to participate in the lottery system, you know, try to get up early in the morning, set my alarm, log in, and have this time you don't get the time you want to go. But when I did go, I saw that the animals were much better off. The coyotes would come right up to your car. The bears were out dancing. I saw more wildlife in Yosemite during the pandemic than ever before. I saw trails recovering. There were no crowds. It was so wonderful to be in the park during the time of restricted entry. So when they said they're going to do it again in summer, I said, hallelujah, that's wonderful, do it. Because what we are doing is letting Yosemite recover. It's becoming a more beautiful place. So I think in future, just because of the way we are increasing in number, it is inevitable that we will have some kind of a permit system set up throughout our national parks. That's the only way we can make sure that we'll continue to enjoy them and that future generations will continue to enjoy them. So we might as well just embrace that and say, yes, it's going to be limited entry because it is a privilege to be in these places. It's not a right, it is a privilege. And once you understand that concept, when you are there, you are even more aware of how enjoyable and precious that time is, and even more respectful of those places. So I'm all for the permit system that's coming through Yosemite, and yes, I'm gonna set my alarm, I'm gonna try to get in there, um, and maybe finagle other things, you know. Um, I should tell you that it's easier for me to say now because I do have a permit already for Yosemite, but I don't for other parts, right? So, and I'm still okay with that. I mean, think of the National Redwood Forest in Northern California. Those redwood trees have been living for hundreds of years, if not thousands. And who are we to put them in danger, right? We're here today, gone tomorrow. We have such short lives. 
Where are we gonna live? 80 years, 90 years? Somebody super fit might live for 100, but that's just a blip compared to the life of these giant trees. How then can we put our desires above those on the survival of the trees? We can't. I think we need to start looking at that big picture and thinking of it that way. Um, I'll give you another example. Recently in Yosemite, we had the horsetail falls phenomena. As you know, it was made famous by Gail Rowell, and every year we have tens of thousands of photographers flocking to Yosemite to see it, right? Not just photographers, regular people, because it's such a wonderful natural phenomena to witness. And Yosemite did a good thing. They not only issued permits, they also made sure the traffic patterns were regulated, that specific areas were assigned for parking, and that people followed an orderly fashion. You know, they, they moved in one group, uh, they kept their distances, they got to see the horsetail falls, everybody got their pictures, and yet it had as minimal impact as possible for the park. So it is possible for us to enjoy these places, but just be more aware, more conscientious, more disciplined when we do so. And this year again, I stood there with you know tens of thousands of people around me and cheered as the fire falls lit up, and we cheered like our favorite team was scoring. You know, it was amazing, and it's such a wonderful experience to see everyone cheering Mother Nature on. When does that happen, right? So it's a beautiful thing to experience, and I think we just need to get into that mindset that I, like Phil said, I am not more important than this place. So it's nature first, like Eric said, and once we get into that mindset, I think we can temper our expectations, temper our desires, and our outlook, and still have a positive experience. I think all of your examples and reasons spurred memories for me. I didn't know when I first started photography about the impacts. I didn't know until I saw someone break a branch off for a better composition and realized that my heart broke in that moment for my favorite park. A simple twig, a branch here and there, snowballs into something catastrophic. Um, Phil, you're, you're like leading me into segues all over the place. You said the word influencer, even though you gagged on it. Um, we, we all do have an influence though, whether it be in conferences like this, uh, podcast, social media that we all post on. How do we use our influence on social media or whatever we're doing um, to mitigate, to stop the bleeding um, of this corrosive activity? Uh, yeah, it's a good segue because I had a, had a Instagram post uh, about this very subject, and um, Sapna did, did a great job. And from from what I understand, it sounds like Thanos was right. We do just just snap. No, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> um, it, influencer, and again, it, it, it's a hard word to. So it's, it's got a very negative connotation uh, around it these days where we, we all have to accept the reality that we are all influencers in some way. If you have one follower, if you have a million followers, they, they follow you for a reason. They value your opinion, they value what you post, they value what you share, 
And so, and, and you don't know that that one person that follows you, maybe they have a thousand followers. And when they share something that they learn, those thousand followers, maybe they have 10,000 followers. And it, it just compounds. And, 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 and that's how social media works, right? So we had to all understand that we are in some way influencers. Uh, now, that doesn't mean you have to be the next David Attenborough. Maybe you're not even the next Art Wolf, but you are the next you. And so what you post carries weight. What you post uh, needs to have context. There should be, um, I, I, this, this is just me, but I believe that your, your post should have uh, an educational element to them of the area that you are photographing, you know. There's, there's a lot of misinformation about about things out there. Some people see a picture of a, of a place and they think that it's just a, you know, I, I drive to a parking lot and then I'm there. And that causes a whole lot of uh, issues when uh, that's just not the case. Uh, so have an educational component to it. Have a component about paying it forward or uh, working to uh, leave these places better than we found it. That, that's a, big quote that, and, and mantra that I, that I carry all the time. Um, you know, Jane Goodall, and I know I'll butcher the quote, I usually have it written somewhere, but she says, essentially, everything we do causes an influence or, um, it, you know, it, it, it affects things in some way. And we have to decide whether we use that for the good or for the bad. And that is very impactful to me and thinking about what do I post? What does it represent? What does it show? What is it saying? And so I think that as we work to consider that we are all influencers in some way, we can have a more conscientious approach to the things that we share, things that we post. Uh, I would even start to even go so far as saying if a place is so very special, you don't have to post it. Maybe keep that memory for yourself. Um, I'll, I'll go over another little tangent. I, I shared this in my in my talk yesterday. Um, thanks to those who came. But you know, if you've watched the show "The Secret Life of Walter Mitty," there's a an awesome scene where where Sean Penn's character, who's kind of like an art wolf guy, right, out on assignment, doing these amazing like going to these amazing places, documenting uh, in, endangered cultures and species. And he's, he's supposed to take this photo of this rare cat and Ben Stiller sitting next to him and, and he's getting all ready and then he just stops and he stares at me and he just looks and at, at this cat comes out and Ben Stiller's, Stiller's like, you're, you're supposed to take a picture of the cat, like what are you doing? And, and Sean Penn's character says, no, sometimes I like to just enjoy these moments for myself. And that, you know, it's a, it's a dumb comedy movie, <laughs> but it's like, why is this making me cry? Well, because everything makes me cry a little, apparently. But um, <laughs> it is super impactful, and, and, and to have that, that mentality. Um, but yeah, as, as far as influencers go, surprise, you're all, you're all influencers. So welcome to the club. And think about what you post, think about the things that it, that it states, and how are you using your platform for the good? I feel like Phil did a great job answering that question, so I don't know if I have anything more to add. But um, in conversations like this, and when I think about conservation, I can't help but pull back and see the bigger picture. 
And hopefully I'm not derailing the conversation with this, but um, even if all of us photographers have perfect etiquette in the way that we visit and experience these places, the planet would still continue to warm up and we would lose entire forests, species, to, you know, they go to extinction because of these things that are happening, regardless of what we do as visitors to national parks and things like that. I think it's important to do the best we can, not break tree branches, things like that. But in reality, that problem is so minuscule compared to the entire problem of pollution and climate change. So I think sometimes these conversations get stuck on something that's very small instead of focusing on what is not actually important. They're both very important, but like I said, even if we do everything perfectly, the world could still be destroyed by the things that we're doing. So as a photographer, I tend to focus more on those things and shine light on bigger problems rather than increase the traffic in places and um, trees getting cut down for firewood, things like that. I focus more on entire species of trees going extinct because it's getting too warm and dry for them to continue to live or they migrate to colder temperatures and because of the boundaries around the forest that we've made, they migrate out of existence because there's nowhere to go at a certain point. So um, I'd kind of be interested to see what you guys think about that or if you are intentionally using your photography for those kinds of issues instead of just trying to promote you know, leave no trace, being a better visitor to these places and things like that, which, like I said, I feel is, in reality, it's very minuscule compared to the whole problem that exists today. For sure. How, how do you do that? You said, you know, mitigating the problem of, of larger issues and doing that through your photography. How is that being done? Yeah, because, well, what's really going to make the difference is what large corporations are doing. Like, you know, people that actually have power to make a difference, good or bad. Um, just like a single iceberg melting can have effects on the entire planet, making the water rise, a single corporation can have just as dramatic negative effects on the planet by whatever it's doing, whatever resources it's consuming without restraint. So. I constantly read books on climate change so I can educate myself, be up to date with the latest things happening, articles, things like that. Since I love nature, my interest goes beyond photography. I read tons of books on biology so I can better understand the subjects that I photograph and build a deeper connection that way. So I think the most important thing is educating yourself as much as possible first so you understand the problem and the situation and then you can accompany your photography with that kind of information that you're learning. You can share it with images, which can be much more powerful than just a, you know, a plain article with text that a lot of people won't even get through maybe. But if you share it with a photograph, it's easier to understand the value that these places have and why they should be protected on a larger scale, not just people behaving better that visit them, but the actual government or corporations respecting these places and not just cutting down an entire forest to feed our needs for consuming everything, you know. Satna, it helps. I think, um, I mean, you, you 
bring attention to a much larger issue, obviously, and that could affect every single individual on this planet, and it affects our lifestyle choices, right? What we want to eat, what we want to wear, down to what we use, how much we possess, that, that's a big, big thing. And I think that's up to each individual, and like Eric said, to educate ourselves and ask ourselves, what is important to us for the future of this planet? That's a big question. And personally, I have made some lifestyle choices, um, largely influenced by my kids who said, do you understand what the heck is going on? There isn't going to be a world for us. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, really? So this is going to happen? And then they show me pictures of plastic floating in the oceans of all these, you know, all the movies that are coming out about it. And you're like, oh my God, we are really in a crisis mode right now. And we tend to, you know, adopt certain lifestyle changes as a, as a result of that. But at the same time, I think the small steps we take are equally important right now if we are focusing I don't want us to get so overwhelmed by the task at hand because the only way we can handle it is by making tiny changes <laughs> one step at a time, right? So if we want to address the issue of, okay, we're all nature photographers, we all love nature, it's dear to us, what can we then do to make a difference? I think if we look at it from that point, then yes, everything we're doing to protect the national parks is important, how we influence the culture of what's happening around us is important. So maybe the next time somebody lays down amongst wildflowers in California and takes a picture and posts it, instead of saying that's beautiful, we should probably be saying that's really gross, right? Because it is gross. Like, what are you doing? Those are wildflowers that should be photographed by themselves. And we have the big bloom in California and now it's, it's hundreds of influences. We have more people than flowers sometimes. And they're wearing garish dresses, they're bringing umbrellas and lamps and lights and everything and all kinds of action drama going on. Why? Because that culture is being fed, right? We're saying it's trendy to do that. The day we change that mindset and say, it is horrendous to do that and look down on people who do that and say that's not the way we should be enjoying the wildflowers, I think that's the day we would make a positive change. Um, so yeah, and I, I feel the same way about like the Lily Valley. You know, I go there to photograph it every year. I've been doing it for nearly a decade now. And every year it's getting more and more crowded. Except now you said your heart broke when you saw a branch being broken up. Those flowers are trampled all over the place. They're shoved here, shoved there. You know, just, just for the selfie craze. And they're still beautiful. They're still blooming. It's still a beautiful valley. I understand the desire to be with these beautiful places and get photographed in them, but I think it's important to inculcate that feeling of respect, and that will only come when we speak up. If we are passive and we tolerate that kind of behavior, then we're setting an example for others also to be passive and to tolerate that behavior, right? So I, I think if we have large followings on Facebook and Instagram, the thing to do when somebody says that is maybe politely say, wouldn't it be better if you did not go off trail and take the picture? Or maybe share it, don't even go to their page, you know, share your own image and say, I did not have to step into the flowers to take this picture. 
and come back with a picture more beautiful than theirs and prove it to them. This is how nature needs to be enjoyed. Um, I, I think as influencers, we need to modify the behavior that's going on out there. And we can do that because we are all capable of taking photographs without people in them and doing a fabulous job of it. I think that's where our role comes in. Uh, I'll just uh, add a little bit to, to Eric's uh, comments, and I, I admire Eric so much because I, I look at him as like this warrior philosopher. He's almost like Gandalf. Like, like, like the Gandalf of the outdoors. And he challenges me on a, on a constant basis to, to think about these, these larger issues. And, and the main thing is to look at this, change is hard, right? Change is hard. If change was easy, I'd be 30 pounds lighter and my arms would look like Brian's. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the things and, and, the, and the way we become set in our life, it's, it's hard to change. And, and another point to that is I feel like everything is connected and we get all like, oh, we're going to get all kumbaya a little bit here? Why not? Let's do it. Um, everything is connected and there are the very large issues and there are the very little issues and sometimes it feels like we have no control over any of it and that feels difficult and that feels deflating and infuriating. I, I know how that feels because sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm talking to a, to a blank wall when, I, when, I'm, when I'm posting uh, about this stuff and uh, as, as Eric brought up Absolutely. We have to think about the bigger picture as well. When I look and think about the Grand Staircase Escalante and issues facing that, it's like I had mentioned earlier, it is both us and it is governmental things in, in, in a larger scale of, of breaking that monument up and selling it off. Um, that should be pretty infuriating to everybody. We should all work and I, I, I've sent well, what do I think of this? You know, to my to my senator, and I and I do those things, and those things are important, and they're important to be involved in that. But also at the same time, when I see people uh, completely defacing and, and vandalizing a place that is irreplaceable, I feel the same sense of urgency and anger. And so it's it is uh, it is a hard balance. And what I would suggest is that we are all actively engaged in something we are passionate about. That was one thing that really stuck out to me with, with Art in his presentation last night. And it would, where Eric and I were actually on a panel uh, last week uh, talking about this exact same subject. And one thing that stuck out was, can we focus on, on one or two things? That's about all of our limited mental capacity we can really handle. If you're passionate about climate change, please Focus and speak up about that. If you're passionate about litter, let's talk about that. That's my thing. I, I talk, I focus, you know, people are like, why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you talking about that? And I'm like, well, I definitely have opinions about it, but what I can't, what I personally want and can focus on right now in my limited capacity, I can focus on talking about our personal responsibility to the outdoors, how that affects uh, littering, vandalism, being prepared, I, I know I can talk about those things. Um, and so it's, it, it, there's so, there's just so much out there and we, we need to, uh, you know, really take a look and, and, and thought process of what is my capacity, where can I do 
the, the most good. And, yeah, go ahead, Eric, if you have something else. Yeah, just real quick. Um, I love what Phil pointed out. The something that I had to learn for myself, and it is a tough lesson as a photographer that wants to use their photography to influence this movement of conservation, is if you take on too much, it very quickly becomes overwhelming and you end up getting nothing done. So I completely agree. You should pick one or two things that you feel you can contribute to more than anything and focus on that and realize that you can't do it all on your own, nor should you try because there are other people as well. The responsibility falls in this hall and <coughs> Phil and I believe in the same things, but he can focus on one thing, I can focus on something else, and together we create it. <laughs> exactly, you know, everything, it's a, it's a combination of everything. Um, no one person is able to or should try to fix everything all on their own. So don't let it overwhelm you. Realize that you can focus on one thing and that is still perfectly fine, and that is probably the best thing that you can do, actually. And if I can like remove the veil of prepared panel hosts, because I'm not, um, I'm, I was so much more nervous about this panel discussion because there's so much to unpack. I, I want to get it right. You know, we all want to get it right. We all want to say the right thing to inspire everybody listening, everybody watching. Um, and it got me thinking about my, my personal photography. What am I shooting? And Eric, you and I discussed this just a second ago. Uh, and, and I know we have just under 10 minutes left, so I do want to keep it kind of short here. Um, I want to challenge everybody, including us four up here, is, is what we're posting, is what we're sharing and photographing whether we post it or not, and just keeping it for ourselves. The romanticism, uh, the beautiful nature of what we're shooting, the cleanliness of it, is that taking away from the issue? Is that diverting attention? Or should we be retooling, rethinking the way we're composing a shot, discussing an issue, or communicating through our outcome? I think the if you go on Instagram today, what you're going to see most of is kind of romanticizing nature, showing perfect moments that happen every once in a while. Beautiful sunsets, very serene scenes. And I think that only makes us more disconnected because it distorts our view of nature. Um, people that don't go into nature a lot, they might have false expectations or be building a false reality in their mind of what their experience should be like. There is so much more to nature. Like, just like there is so much beauty to be found, death is a super important part of nature. It's crucial. So I, I never try to just take beautiful photographs. I try to take meaningful photographs, photographs that are gonna, that are gonna make people think, photographs of things that are less traditional, maybe not inherently beautiful, things that maybe are a bit more grotesque even or horrifying. You know, these other sides of nature that are just as important so that people through my photography can actually build a genuine relationship with what nature actually really is instead of becoming further 
uh, detached from it because they're they're only intaking these false representations of nature in a way, just seeing that one tiny side. Um, I just wanted to touch quickly in the interest of time on one topic that we didn't really talk much about. And uh, that, that is the concept of workshops. Um, you know, uh, as professional photographers, we love to teach, right? And we love to take our clients to exclusive places that others may not be aware of. And I was thinking more and more about that and thinking the goal of the workshop is really not to catch fish, right? It is to teach you how to fish. So if we want to do that, we don't necessarily need to be in an exclusive place because the idea is not trophy hunting. The idea is to make us better photographers through the workshops. Then what we should be doing is probably going to places that are pretty easily accessed and teaching people how to shoot, how to turn even the mundane into magic because that's what we need to learn. If we start thinking like that, then maybe as workshop instructors, we should be thinking of smaller groups, taking it to pretty iconic places, shout out to Ryan there, and then just showing them how to photograph these places, giving them the inspiration to go out and photograph other places which are more exclusive, harder to reach with the skills that they have acquired. What that does is cuts down on big groups going to sacred places. Right? Because you start individual exploration now that you have the skill to photograph, you go out and photograph on your own. I think um, that, that would be a good approach and um, at least that's how I want to take my workshops in the future. So I just wanted to put that out there. Are we bringing it home? Okay. Um, as a closing remark from me, I think, if anything, that what the, uh, the pandemic did is I, I, I hope is when when you were at home and were locked down and all those could be terrible things. I hope that you got to see the beauty in your own area. And as you leave today, you think about what is my impact? Where can I be the most impactful? Um, one is to check on your neighbors and how are they doing? To check on your local forests or state parks how are they doing uh, taking it you know kind of from there if you have a national park in the area how is the national park doing what are your what can you do in your community that's where you can make some real impact and be noticeable we have a very finite lifespan and the stoics um, basically said if you want to be immortal, it's what have you done for others? And as I said at the start, the, the self-centeredness the, and the selfishness is so prevalent right now. Prevalent? Can, can I speak? Can I say words? What are you doing for others? That's what are you doing for the places that cannot help themselves. That's how you'll get immortality. And kind of selfishness in that sense. <laughs> but uh, I, I hope this was helpful. Um, this is 
this is a subject that I find is ever more relevant and needed as 90% of wildfires were human caused last year. That should be cause for alarm for a lot of people. So that's another subject. But again, um, think about others. Think about what you can do for, for the places that cannot help themselves. And uh, must live better than we found it. And just real fast, just because you can't go to the Arctic and photograph polar bears that are endangered or melting sea ice, or you can't photograph snow leopards that are going extinct in the Himalayas, it doesn't mean that you can't find something in nature that is relevant. Every single thing in nature on a long enough time scale is endangered. It has the potential to disappear completely. So photography on any scale in any place can still have just as much meaning. I just want to thank everybody on stage um, and everybody listening live or uh, on the stream. Hopefully this communicated how big of an issue this is and how important it is to all of us too. And I hope it sheds light for you as well. And it gets you thinking differently about photography too. So thank you. So the podcast just finished here, but that doesn't mean that it's over totally. You can head over to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget to not only help the podcast continue going week after week, but also get access to bonus audio like from today's episode. You just heard a lot of these photographers share their hearts on their passion for conservation through photography. And I find it really impactful because it's it's hard to get up on stage and, and share your emotions like that, share something that you're tied to. But when it's attached to our photography as well, that is really opening the door for, for learning a lot about ourselves as a photographer. And I, I share more in the bonus audio about being known as a photographer and also being known through your conservation work as a photographer and the opportunities through that as well. So if you haven't already, feel free to go over to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget and hear the bonus audio from today's show. I can't wait to see you guys in next week's episode.